This morning I want to walk through Matthew chapter 4, Temptation of Jesus. Last week in our small group I had looked at Genesis 3, which is a temptation. I guess what struck me is that so early on, both the Old Testament and the New, is that you face the issue of temptation. And just like we've found in, in our faith, you have to address that issue if you're going to have any kind of victorious life in Christ. And so it's not by accident that early in these books these issues are confronted. And what I'd um, like to walk through is just some of the, the, the issues connected with this and uh, recognize that we have hope through Christ, that we are given opportunity to be victorious in a way that we've not known any other time. That by his power, there's opportunity to escape and to be victorious over things that maybe have bound us for years. What a privilege that is. So even as we look at the, the, the temptation regarding Christ, what I'd like to do is start with the final passage before that fourth chapter. At the end of chapter 3 is the baptism of Jesus. And what I want you to note is that, you know, the storyline is such that you get a little bit about his birth. You have lots of years where you don't know anything. And then when his public ministry starts, the picture starts with his baptism. This is, in a sense, him committing himself to the path that would lead to the cross, but also it's an affirmation by God himself who gives this voice, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. So you have this, this stepping out, so to speak, of moving into ministry. And then you walk right into the temptation. And what I'd like you to note is that it doesn't have to do with spirituality or getting to a place, you know, of going, I don't have problems with this anymore. I won't have to struggle or wrestle. If Christ was walking through this and, and you know, he's at this pinnacle and yet temptation becomes a part of his life, we have to acknowledge that it's going to face us at different seasons, different manners. But, you know, if, if Christ wasn't um, set aside from it, if it wasn't, you know, if he wasn't so righteous that it didn't affect him, who are we to think? that we're going to be impervious to such things. So that stated, let's look at this. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert so that the devil could test him. So even walking by the Spirit, doing exactly what God had called him to, he steps into a place where temptation is resident and is going to be a part of him. So again, this idea of getting to a place of righteousness or walking so closely to God that I'll never be affected by some form of temptation, that's ridiculous. So we're better off to address it. You know, I guess what, what caught me in, in even last week, I was looking at the tree that they were told not to eat from is in the middle of the garden. And I know that I've mentioned this several times. I'm just... I, this preoccupies me because it's like you cannot escape it. Anytime you make a path across the garden, you're going to see that thing. 
And not only is it right there in the middle, you know, when they look at it, they say, it's pleasing to the eye. So it's not as if God made an ugly tree, put it in the corner and said, you know, stay away. You know, they're looking at it and, and they're saying, you know, it appears like it's gonna, the fruit's going to taste good. And then Satan comes along and says, you're actually going to get wisdom out of this. But that whole senses or essential side of things, you know, the sight looks great. The taste, don't touch. What's left out? They couldn't hear it. I, I, maybe they could smell it. I, I don't know. But it's, it's like they were drawn to the temporal side of this thing. And they have to confront, am I an eternal being or am I temporal? Am I bound by what's in front of me in the physical or do I have sight of something larger? And that's the challenge in each of our lives when we face issues. And it's different things, right? Different seasons. Sometimes it's envy. Sometimes it's greed. Sometimes it's lust. Sometimes it's anger. You know, it, it doesn't really matter. It's just that we address these things and we have to make either this short-term physical declaration says, I need it to happen now and I want it in this moment. Or there's this sign that says, there's an eternal scale here that I need to keep in mind. So he's led by the desert, or led into the desert by the Spirit. He says the devil's going to come test him. After Jesus had gone without eating 40 days and 40 nights, he's very hungry. Well, that makes sense to me. It says, Then the devil came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to turn into bread. So he is being challenged on a base desire and need, something that's appropriate. He's going to have to eat at some point. But it's like, do it now. And... You know, I, this whole thing of food is kind of intriguing to me because it's so simple, but in the garden it's food. Here it's the first one is food. And you're kind of going, I thought it'd be a little more complex than that. You know, I, I thought I'd be a little more, you know, hidden. or I mean, food, Really? something I face every day. <laughs> but I, I want to say it doesn't really count because there's other bigger issues. But here's where Satan starts out with him. And uh, even in that, it's, it, it's this, he knows that he has to eat. He knows that it has to be done. It's the timing or, and how does God want this carried out. But also there's a challenge to his identity that comes across if you're the son of God. You know, if, if, if you really are in God, you need to do something and take care of yourself. If you're the child of God, you need to see this through and, and do something now. You have the power, why not use it? And so they, 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 you know, the challenge is thrown out to him. It's a temporal preoccupation, and that's often what we get trapped into. Let's go on. 
Jesus answered, Scripture says, no one can live on only food. People need every word that God has spoken. So he's going, it's not about physical life only. It's not just the temporal that we're dealing with in this moment. God knows you have physical needs. God knows that you have desires. God knows these situations. The challenge is, how are you going to respond? Now, you're going to find in each of these things that Jesus hearkens back to Scripture. And I guess I just want to throw it out to you. You know, we're in that first of the year thing, and regularly we make this commitment. I'm going to read through the Bible this year. Uh, get it done this year, okay? <laughs> you know, I, I know there's that tendency to get to the, to the prophets and just say, ah, this is killing me, and just, you know, stop. Maybe, maybe you should start with the prophets. Or maybe you should just finish out what you haven't read. Who cares? If you're looking at a lifetime of this thing, what does it matter? I have these in the back, or I will. Came ready. Only three weeks late. Ready three weeks late. Okay. Put a check mark on the things you read. I don't care what day it is. And just get it done, okay? If, if it's important enough for Jesus to use it, I think we probably could profit a little ourselves. You know, if the Son of God is, is referring to Scripture, then, then maybe there's some value there for us. Just saying. You know, I, I know that you have presence of God to guide you. So did he. Um, it, it's just, as long as I'm on this rant, I know you have phone apps. How many of you read an article more than five minutes on the phone? It's miserable, right? Get, a, get something in written form, or a Kindle at least. You know, it, it I got my phone app. I can read my Bible. Well, good for you. It's going to be about three verses. And I'm just saying, you know, great. If that's, if that's what you have in the moment, use it. But if you're going to get through this thing, three verses at a time, you may die first. Okay? <laughs> and I just, you know, okay. I'm going to get back. I'm going to get back to this. But I'm just putting in a plug, okay? Okay. Next, the devil took Jesus to his cell phone. No. <laughs> to the holy city. And had him stand at the highest part of the temple. The devil said, if you're, if you're God's son, again, that challenge of identity, if you're God's son, jump off. Scripture says. So here, Satan is quoting Scripture. So it's not enough even to have read it, but it's, you need to know the context and setting and what is God speaking in this moment through the Scripture to you, okay? So he says, if, if you got son, jump off. Scripture says God has given his angels orders about you. They'll catch you in their arms, and you won't hurt your feet on the stones. Make a splash. 
you should be seen by all. This is Jerusalem. You get it right here, the whole country will know you. Jesus is called to Jerusalem. Jesus will eventually be lifted up in Jerusalem on the cross. So this thing of fame and acclaim, it's, it's more important that, that he get it right than to just get the deed done. And in this moment, Satan's saying, you know, you can, you can trust the goodness of God to bail you out of this. I mean, how many times do we walk in that, I'm a child of God, he'll take care of me. Yeah, I know I'm spending foolishly right now, but God will bail me out. He's promised to provide. When you're a kid, it's like, yeah, I'm driving like an idiot, but God protects me. And you can name any number of things, but it's that presumption on the goodness of God, and, and Jesus comes back and says, you shouldn't be testing him this way. This is wrong. Yes, God is good. But it's not for you to use as a stick then and say, well, I'll do this, or I'll, you know, he's my good luck charm. And I'll call him and, and, and everything will be, I'll, he'll bail me out again. It's interesting to me to note that at the end of this fourth chapter, you know, as Jesus' ministry expands, it says he heals everyone who came to him. And they start making comment that it, he's, he's got people all over Galilee coming to him from the Decapolis, the ten cities. That they're coming from there. They're coming from Syria. They're coming from Jerusalem, Judea, the other side of the Jordan. So his name is going to get out. But the temptation is to just try to short, you know, get it done without much trouble. Or just, you know, the quick fix. And again, that's one of the things that we face when we, when we confront temptation. It's not just the physical desires, but it's also fix it quick and not have to walk through this. Why go to the cross if you can just jump off the temple and get it done that way? Okay. Finally, the devil took Jesus up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the earth and their power. And the devil said, I'll give you all of this if you'll bow down and worship me. Jesus answered, go away. Scripture says, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And I guess I look at this and I say, what's, you know, all of us have this desire for control or power. All of us have the desire for glory. You know, we want to be acknowledged, but at what price? At, at, at what price are we willing to pay for a claim, so to speak? What are we willing to do to uh, have others respond to us? What are we willing to step into so that, you know, fame will be ours? And basically what's coming across here is, there is one to worship and only him. And even if the other is offered, if you, if you cut out the worship of God and putting him first,
to achieve the other, you've messed up in a big way. And Jesus is recognizing this for what it is, saying, no, I'm not going there. It's interesting as well that when he says, go away, it says, you know, the devil left Jesus and the angels came to help him. But in Luke's account, when he's covering this, he goes, he left him for a while. Or some of the translations, one of the translations said, he left him for a more opportune time. In other words, it wasn't over. You know, we, this is really the only portion of temptation of Christ that we see in Scripture. You know, that's defined that way. But from this writing, there's an awareness that he was challenged a number of times. It's just that Satan backs off for the moment and says, well, I didn't get him this time. But he's still not given up. And there was more challenge through Jesus' life. So I'm assuming that in the garden when Jesus is saying, not my will but thine be done, Satan is there saying, you don't have to go through this. Why, why would you do this? Why would you? This is senseless. So if Jesus had to endure temptation through his life, you've come to Christ you're, you acknowledge that obedience is appropriate for those who love God, then it's also necessary that you recognize learning how to overcome temptation is a vital part of what we do. And there's opportunity to be victorious over the sins of life that challenge us. You know, regularly I'll, I'll share things from personal life of victories here. Yeah, come up with your own examples today. You've been able to see God change your hearts. There's more to do in Him as well. I want to read just a few other verses that are connected to this idea of temptation. And even, why would Jesus have to walk through this? Hebrews says this, Chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are. So, you know, the writers are going, yeah, there was more to his temptation than these three. There were a number of things that he had to address. But he walked through it. He did not sin. So whenever we are in need... We should come bravely before the throne of our merciful God. There we will be treated with undeserved kindness, and we will find help. What an awesome promise that is. James, in chapter 1, he goes, don't blame God for the troubles that you're facing. Don't blame God when you get tempted or tested. He says, there is desire within each of us that wants to be drug out, so to speak. And that's what Satan goes after. 
he, he, he looks for vulnerabilities in our lives. And if anything, there's an opportunity for us to learn, this is an area of weakness in me. This is something that God needs to change. And in a sense, it's not like God's surprised. We regularly are. I didn't think I was that dumb. I had no idea that I would yield to this. Well, that's the sad truth. And, and God's already seen that. But what's it do? It opens a door for our healing. It opens a door for us to make change. It gives us opportunity to walk into a level of victory that we've not walked in before. You know, it is so easy to get angry in family life, right? Because there's a measure of selfishness in all of us. And that partner that loves us and we love, they have it as well as us. And they don't do everything to try to please us. Don't look at me like you've not encountered that. <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> but in that, in that close relationship, as those things are exposed, and there's that tendency to want to move into anger or, you know, paybacks and that, it, it, the heart is revealed. And it gives us opportunity to live differently and get rid of that selfishness to prepare our hearts for heaven. And there's this, you know, this opening of our lives and, and you know, we're going, I, I had no clue that was that deep in me. And the Lord's able to say, yeah, it's been there for a long time and you haven't dealt with it. Now let's do something different. My first response, get her to change and I'll do it. Seriously. The only reason I live this way is because she hasn't made her changes yet. And invariably, the Lord will come back and say, deal with your issues. And I don't care if I tell you what I'm going to do with her or not. Because the only person we can change is our own selves in that moment, right? How many found out it's near impossible to get your partner to do something that she doesn't want to do, or he doesn't want to do, right? Unbelievable how stubborn they can be. <laughs> Just like us, right? God paired us that way on purpose. It can, it can either yield incredible beauty or incredible destruction as you snipe at each other. You've got to choose. And the only one you can choose for is yourself. But as you do that, there is wonder and joy and, and peace that comes out of those decisions that going, I did not anticipate it going this well. But God saw it, and he prepared for it, and he put you in that situation, desired for your health, and revealed your heart so that it could be straightened out. Here's a passage out of Corinthians. 
you think you can stand up to temptation, be careful not to fall. In other words, there's a tendency for pride to say, I would never give in to that. It says, if you're tempted in the same way that everyone else is tempted, but God can be trusted not to let you be tempted too much, and he will show you how to escape from your temptations. The challenge in this is that we regularly love our sin so that when it's revealed, there's not really a, a true desire to make much change. And there has to come this step of faith that the goodness of God is calling me to something better even if it doesn't look like it in the moment. Going back to that original idea, in the temporal it may not even pay off. But at the internal, it, it is extremely valuable. And then finally, I close with this passage out of Galatians. My friends... You are spiritual. If someone is trapped in sin, you should gently lead that person back to the right path. So that's the corporate responsibility together, right? That we have within us opportunity and power to help benefit others' lives and to help pull them out of sin. He goes on to say, but watch out that you aren't tempted yourself. Oftentimes, when we go to, to bail someone else out, it opens the door on our own depravity, and we, we blindly want to march in and just say, I'll take care of this. And suddenly, we're trying to survive ourselves. And the Scripture just enters, you know, puts across this gentle warning. Helping others out is a good thing. Pulling them away from sin, that's a great, great thing. But be careful, because there's challenge involved with it. And he says, just, uh, you know, watch yourself as you do this. Because you might find some things in your own heart that are, are very, very complicated with this. Just a simple illustration. Uh, one of the things that I've uh, I encourage people, like, if you're, if you're dealing with someone that's bound by pornography, don't ask them what sites they've been to. All that does is open up, a, I wonder what's there. And you might find yourself a lot weaker than you anticipated. Well, there's, there's numerous things like that. But it's just, you know, that warning that just says, be careful. Know that, that we're in a battle. Know that this gets addressed right away. But there's opportunity for us to stand strong in the Lord. Praise to his name. Won't you stand with me? Back in worship. encourage you to seek out someone you trust uh, there'll be people up here to pray with you but you know it, it may be that you there's someone that comes to mind in this moment and said I need to talk to them and uh, find healing may a blessing rest on these your people
discover with joy the victorious life that you make available to them. I pray that you would make us victorious over sin. That we would follow the example of Christ and not yield. Ask, Lord, that as each one goes into the community, that you give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings and deeds of your kingdom. Enable them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, we pray. We love you this day.